Hello and welcome to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. This is your host, Christian, with my co-host, Jonathan, saying hello from afar to Chris. He recently landed it from Paris, but won't be able to join this episode. But we want to welcome our guest today, Ray from District 9 Ultras. How you doing, Ray? Feeling pretty good, man. It's, it's It was hard. Yeah, it was a long haul. And we'll talk about that trip. It was my first bus ride. I know it was... Jonathan's first bus ride, but how are you feeling about the trip, John? Oh man, I'm still glowing emotionally, but physically, I'm I'm a little hurt. My voice is still a little hurt, but I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, my first overnight bus ride, my first proper away day outside of Carson last year. So you know, I mean, it's it's great that you know, Mandy's finally well enough that I'm able to do some road trips, and and I got the bug, man. I already booked my tickets to Seattle. I'm ready to go. Awesome. No, and I'm feeling a little down because I'm not gonna be able to watch the match this weekend with DC United because I'm going on the trip to Morocco and I won't get to even go to the game in DC or a watch party. So I'm going to definitely have like withdrawals this weekend. Oh, we all feel really bad for you. You're going to suffer through being in Morocco and uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be terrible. I'm yeah. sorry. You're going to have to miss uh, some LAFC for that. I know, but jumping into the actual match that happened last Saturday, how did you guys feel about the tactics or, you know, how we romped San Jose, Ray. How did, how did you feel that game went? Uh, I think the word to describe it was uh, electrical. The the way it happened on the field, the way it happened on the stands. There's been times where we said the supporters sucked the ball into the net, and I think the first goal, that's what we did. You know, it, it was it was amazing seeing how their goalie screwed up. You know, when we started going nuts, and then Bella putting it in nice and slow. It was probably like what like a minute or so after the thirty two fifty two erupted right we stayed quiet for this first four, four minutes to kind of play possum to let san jose feel like they had a presence and then we just kind of distracted the whole stadium including the goalie that's how i felt you know i think there was a goal for everyone in this game whether you like the golazo i mean obviously we have that wonder goal from vela we have the team goal we have the howler by their keeper i mean you you had a little something for every kind of goal in this game and you know whenever you put 5-0 up on there on an away game. The worst ever defeat or tying the worst ever defeat San Jose's had in their home field. Our best road performance, both both on the pitch and in the stands, in my opinion. Pretty amazing. Yeah, so did you feel anyone stood out to you or surprisingly played better than you thought they would have? I think the person that keeps on impressing me, and I think he's going to be one of the best players this season, is um, Mark Anthony Kane. You know, the way he came back after that injury, it's like he never got injured. You know, his presence in the midfield is strong and solid. You know, it's he's going to do good, man. Yeah, he's he's definitely a, uh, an enforcer. He has a presence. He he takes the ball back. Him and Atuesta don't let the other team feel comfortable when they're trying to go through the middle of our field, right? And he also has the vision to when he recuperates the ball to immediately let loose with Rossi, Dio, and Vela. So I think you're right. Like, he's... A definite component and an automatic starter at the very minimum if he's healthy. The way we've been playing with the speed on top, the way Atuesta has embraced the team, you know, because last year you kind of feel him uh, a little bit twitchy, you know, he was still not not 100%. And we're just getting started. It's five games, and so you can see the big difference from this Atuesta from the one from last year. I admire him because I'm a, I'm a not-so-tall person, and he's a little destroyer in there. It doesn't matter who he's going up against, right? He's going to get into a tackle. He's not afraid to get in your face. He's not afraid to, to rub you the wrong way and, you know, destroy the, the play and then start the play for us. 
So, you know, it's something that I admire with someone that's not the biggest person on the field, him and, and Blessing as well. I think one of my favorite things about just talking to people about this game is I think every person I've spoken with has a different man of the match. I mean, yeah. obviously it's hard not to overlook Vela. And, you know, I mean, you put up a hat trick and, and you score one of those kind of goals. And, and you know, everyone's going to say that he was amazing. But it just seems like if you ask every person, you know, who was there. Who was their man of the match? I mean, I've heard eleven different names almost. You know, yeah. maybe, you know it's 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 pretty amazing uh, how well we performed across the pitch. You know, whether it was Harvey or Dio or whoever out there, we saw you know some really really solid performances. You know, a lot of people stoked on blessing and you know yeah. I mean, obviously the back line. I think Zimmerman got uh, MLS Team of the Week yeah. this week as well too on the back line, and and it was hard to say that you know he outplayed Segura, who did an amazing job as well too. That's so cool to see. You know, I mean, at least 10 people that could have been Team of the Week. You could have just threw the whole LAFC squad <laughs> yeah. out there for Team of the Week, and it would have been hard to argue with that. I agree with you. And you got to think about this. Like Something that's being overlooked on this match, I think, is that we got an actual shutout. That hasn't happened, right? right? And they had chances, and Miller came to the rescue one big time, and then Segura and Zimmerman kind of kept them at bay the rest of the game. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing. I think when you're winning by that much, sometimes you kind of – get your foot off the gas a little bit defensively and you may, you might allow one, but it didn't happen and I was happy about that. I like defense and the team understanding each other and covering each other's spaces. I think it's becoming more fluid on the defensive side and the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw it on that third goal there, right, in first half stoppage time. I and mean, you want to talk about team play, I mean, that was that yeah. was textbook right there. I yeah. mean, they're going to be chopping that up in the film room for a while. I mean, we really saw some good cohesion, solid passing. And there were even some stats from this game that surprised me. We didn't have the lion's share of the possession in this no. game. They actually beat us in the possession score. It didn't feel that way from the stands, that's for sure. So, I mean, I think a lot of that spoke to how fluid we were. We were getting up and having yeah. the attacking chance, and then they were kind of scrambling to build anything. And I think that might be why possession looks the other way than the game actually yeah. played. You know, it's like when you watch the game, because I actually I had some time to watch it on TV, you kind of see the style of San Jose, the coach, Almeida, Almeida, is trying to implement with San Jose. You know, you can see how many balls they lost at the beginning of the pitch. You know, when they were transitioning from the defense to midfield, you know, they lost a lot of balls, but that's the way Almeida usually plays all his teams, you know. Yeah. He likes to have control of the ball and then just open up and, and, and get through the middle, but... We were so quick. Everybody was covering everybody's back that we did not let them. The pressure of the team, it was just on point. It was like every time somebody would grab the ball in the middle, we had one or two guys right on, right on top of them. That was the game changer right in the midfield. We just took it away from them. Yeah, some of those Almeida reactions yeah. throughout the game were great. But, you know, look, he's going to play his style. He's not going to back down from his style. He wants his front office to see the pieces he needs to make his style work. So I think we benefited a little bit from his stubbornness in that regard. I mean, right. he didn't set up a team to beat LAFC. He set up a team the way he plays. You know, they man mark on defense, and that's what they're going to do. And they obviously don't have the skills to do that against LAFC on their squad, and that yeah. was exposed. But, you know, he's not going to coach a different way. It's been incredibly successful for him throughout his career. Yeah. And so, you look, you know, I mean, the, the responsibility right now for them to improve is, is really put on their front office. And, yeah, that's... It's big. Know. It's going to be a big investment because he hasn't had a real or a true transfer window to bring in the type of players that he wants, right? So he's almost using the players that uh, the previous coach had in a different system to play this type of more physical, high-pressing, one-to-one marking defensive style and then offensively possession-based 
transition base, and he doesn't have the Wondolowski is not going to play like that. You know yeah. what I mean? He doesn't have the types of players that he might have a one or two, and then they're playing a lot of newer academy kids that probably grew up playing a certain style in San Jose, now playing this Almeida style. So it's going to take some time. I'm sympathetic to him because it was an emphatic loss, and there's so much hype behind the coach. Right. Um, and he's a star, which is unfortunate, too. That, that says a lot about the investment that San Jose's front office has made. They don't have a star player, per se. So I'm just happy that I wasn't on that end of the supporter side. Yeah, I, I, I've been on that end, and it feels bad, man. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. But, you know, talking about supporter, the supporter, like, for me and for John, this was our first trip, right? Um, there was really good organization in terms of having the four or five different buses from the supporter groups. We got picked up in the Valley. Um, so, you know, tell tell us about that. Like, how, how since it's new to me, and I, I'm recently as of last year, joined LAO. Like, I hadn't had that experience last year. So how what goes into that? Who coordinates the buses, the logistics, the, the purchasing of all that? It's very complicated, man. It's a lot of work. Like you said, it's, it's a lot of logistics that goes into it. But at the end of the day, we do it because we want a result like what we saw over, the, over there in San Jose. I think it was a total of eight buses that went up there. Yeah. We had four buses from D9, and then another four buses from... TSG, Black Army, Quervos, and somebody else took another bus. But I think it was eight total. Wow, I mean, I I felt it when I when we got there. There was there was already tailgates. I'm sure that they got there way earlier than we did. It was Christmas Tree Lane North, you yeah. know. I yeah. mean, it was all the same people, all it the was. same food, the same music. I mean, the same sort of revelry. I mean, it was all of us there. It just was in a dirt lot, not our beautiful grass uh, in right. front of the stadium. Yeah, that was on purpose, but like. Talk about the trip, a trip up. At least for me, I saw a lot of social media, like, videos and pictures. It was like a party the whole way. It's not like people really slept more than an hour or two on the way up. Well, we, we have a saying that, that goes by, um, away days are the best days. And that's the way we see it. I mean, you will not understand it till you live it, you know, till you're up there. A lot of people kind of doubt of going, right, because they said, you know, the bus ride, it's going to get tired, the kids, the family. But in, in our side, in our end, we had different type of buses. You know, we had the party bus. You know, had the family bus. Yeah. Then we had a bus combined with the LAO and uh, Element. So, I mean, it, it was very coordinated to where everybody's going to have a good experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I think we accomplished it. You know, everybody had fun. The people that had to sleep slept. And the people that didn't want to sleep, they didn't sleep. Oh. For Some sure. of us tried to sleep and ended up waking up covered in shaving cream, but you know we'll we'll, we'll save that for another show. Um, but no, I had a blast. I mean, it's such a family experience when you're with La Banda Loca when you're on those buses. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. I I wish everyone in LAFC fandom could get to experience what a bus trip to to an away game is like because it's really a, a beautiful moment of camaraderie. Yeah. yeah, and and talking about the bus, man, what I tell my people is. When you get in a bus, you're sitting down for five hours. You got to talk to the guy next to you, you yeah. know? Sometimes you don't have that chance in the, the tailgates, especially like for us, the, the, the reps from D9 that show up on the tailgate. We're running around doing hundreds of things, you know? And we hardly get the chance to meet our people and actually sit down and have a really conversation. And the bus, that gives us that opportunity, you know, to actually get to know that person, you know, and, and exchange different ideas. Sometimes I bump into guys that are actually from the same town that I'm born in Mexico. I just found out if, if it wouldn't have been for the bus, I mean, I would have never found out. That's that's awesome. No, I, I for sure got to meet, even within LAO, Inland Element, and that bus, 
people that live really near, like even Jonathan, like I, I met him because of this podcast. He lives four blocks away. And that would have never happened if he wasn't, you know, a potential guest or he hadn't made a connection with Chris. And then we invited him over and he, then we spent time, right? Same thing on the bus. To, to your point, like I met so many people that don't live that far and have, you know, similar stories or different stories that you know, open up your eyes to a different world from a life perspective. It's not even about, you know, the team or football. It's like, you become friends because of these common things or things that you've learned because of a new idea. And that's what's making the club different and the North End different. It's, we're, we're the people, you know, we are the people's team. You, you see on the North End a combination of everything, you know. It's not only Latinos, it's not only white people, it's not, it's just a mix of L.A., you know. That's, that's what L.A. represents on the North End. So, when, when, at least for me, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, I mean, we saw some drama on the pitch. We saw some fun. But there was, there was some drama before we even got on the buses. There was a little bit of ticketing drama going on there. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you, because you have a, an inside perspective on that that some of our listeners might not be familiar with. Maybe you can provide a little bit of backstory on, you know, why we had to be quiet for four minutes, what that silent protest was about, not only about showing off what the 3252 is and does, but about how the ticketing allocation went sideways. We had uh, about almost 800 tickets allocated to the North End, and D9 had requested over 200 tickets. So everybody had purchased their tickets, so when we were ready to buy our tickets, we called the front office from San Jose, and they said, you know what, we only have 135 tickets. What happened to the rest of the tickets? They're like, oh, we just sold them. I'm like, what do you mean you just sold them? Those tickets are allocated to the fans. Like, we just sold them to random fans from, from LAFC. And that stuff really made us get furious, you know? But, I mean, we manage. We we try to talk to the people from uh, the front office. They reach out to see if they can accommodate us in one way or another. I mean, they didn't, they didn't really try. But, I mean, we got our people out there, you know? And I want to give a big shout-out to all the people from D9 that went out there and purchased a ticket at a higher price just to be there, you know? That's what happened to me, or to LAO. We had to purchase tickets at market price because they were playing games basically yeah and, and and one of the biggest problems was i mean money sometimes it's, it's an issue right but but when it comes to doing an away game this big you know the concern of uh, safety it's it's very big and we told san jose that look you know it's it's not just because we're gonna come and take over your stadium that's gonna happen eventually you know but the the people that are sitting out there you know they're in danger you know, they're in danger there's people that that just join the culture that don't really understand it and that, you know, things are going to happen, and, and they did happen, you know. But I guess everybody just learns from from their mistakes. Yeah, you add that much alcohol yeah. and, and that many people together. I mean, yeah. there's bound to be some conflict, which is why having the away supporters in their own section and isolated, you know, I mean, that's important. And, and look, it's not like their fans were there anyway. I mean, they called it a sellout, but there was not one section in their stadium yeah. that was full. So, I mean... Look, if you want people there, and I mean, obviously, we spent money. We emptied out every concession stand of beer. I mean, I think they ran out of Mexican beer. They ran out of Stella Artois. I mean, you know, yeah. they got the world's largest outdoor bar, and we drank that thing dry, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, it's like, look, we're going there to spend some money. That club's profiting from us being there. But, you know, it's got to be safe for the fans and safe for the supporters, and it's a shame that, you know, one of the, a few decisions they made to attempt to mitigate us as well, too. You know, so we get up there, we have, you know, what we're calling a march into the match, which was really like a parade into the match. I mean, it was crazy. That was um, incredible to be a part of. 
Yeah, a record-setting crowd. I mean, as hard as those numbers are to really tabulate, I mean, we showed up over a thousand deep. You know, we hear numbers over twelve hundred deep to show up to that game. We get in and we have our four minutes of silence. As one of the people behind the decision making, there, can you speak to that four minutes and what it meant to the thirty-two? Yeah, so, so so going going back to what we talked with the San Jose front office, and you know, we explained to them, we're like, look, you know what what's happening here? You can use it you know, to motivate your own supporters. You know, it's like what we do, how we do it. You know, it's like don't reprimand the the culture because you're going against uh, football. You know what I'm saying? And when when we got together and we we're like, you know what, let's hear them for four minutes. Let's just give them four minutes and then they're going to see what we're all about. You know what I'm saying? It was very hard to get everybody from the 32 to sit down and stay quiet for four minutes. Yeah, you know that that to, that was an achievement, <laughs> and you know, and, and it was thanks to the leadership. You know, we have great couples that you know communicated everything to the to the rest of the crew, and and man, it it, it was it was just an unbelievable experience. That it, just for me to think about it right now, I get the chills. I, I mean, I got, I got the message, and I was like, "We're doing what for how long? Okay." Let's do it. I, I did want to hear them. It's not like that's not to say that I did hear them. I, I saw them moving from where we were, and like they put up their tifo trying to you know say something to us. But you know, four minutes later, I think the whole stadium not only heard us, but they were all looking at us like, and they were mesmerized by the the noise that we created. Well, thirty seconds before that, something I have never even heard of happening at a game. They stopped the clock. They stopped the clock. They stopped the clock. They knew uh, we were going to wait the first four minutes, and they knew at four minutes we were going to explode. And the clock stopped at 30 seconds, uh, 3.30. I'm, I'm astounded that that happened, that that was permitted to happen, that that is something that is okay to happen. I can't imagine that, you know, the league is okay with that. I mean, to me, that was such a statement as to what San Jose is as a club, that they would be willing to attempt to coordinate with the actual in-game clock that the players are watching, you know, in order to attempt to mitigate what the 32:52 does. And then it didn't matter. The four minutes rolls around, and we saw something beautiful and organic and something that took place live in the stands that had never been practiced or rehearsed before. Can you kind of speak to how that first chant sort of morphed into what we saw in the beginning and then what happened from there? We were thinking of doing the dollar dollar black and gold. And we were debating either that or, or the new Hacker chant. And I was like, you know what? I think everybody, because the Hacker chant just happened. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, there was not one time that we practiced the song. It came It came from a viewing party from, uh, I think it was uh, Inland Empire Boys. They had a little video, then the following game they practiced at a tailgate, and then we're just ready to go live, man, you know? And, and you can see, like, everybody started catching up. By the second time we did it, because even, even myself, I, I had never heard the song, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm like, all right. I saw everybody doing it. I'm like, all right, it's cool. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then that's the way we just brought it. It's like, let's just make it happen. Let's just get all that energy at once and it, it explode, you know? Yeah, so we saw like a whole new intro to that chant that had never been rehearsed. Right. It just happened organically live where we sort of sped it up. Yeah. And then everybody kind of had this four minutes of built up whatever, and we just applauded it out and then went right back into the who. Yeah. Ah, you know, and uh, so it was, oh, man, it was electric to be a part of. You know, hopefully that's the last time the 3252 goes for 86 plus. Hopefully we're back to 90 plus yeah. next mm-hmm. week. Yeah, I know that that was one of the things... Thinking back, once we did it, it was Lord Commander when we had him a few weeks ago, and he's like, "We do it ninety plus, no other like no other supporter group does that." 
And, you know, when you were saying that, look, we, we skipped four minutes in the silent protest, but, you know, it was totally worth it because I, I think that tidal wave of sound that we created made up for those four minutes. And, you know, I'd probably stop the game right at 90 because it was... <laughs> they didn't want to keep on going because yeah, yeah. we would have uh, kept on going. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and we were embarrassing them, obviously, in the second half and even at the end of the first half with what we were saying and they had nothing they could say back. Well, well, they attempted to say something back, so maybe we talk about that TIFO real quick here. You know, I mean, everybody saw it. Everybody knows what was said. They accused us of miking the 3252 section, and we're still unclear whether or not they're referring to us filling the stands with people named Mike or us actually using microphones. Phone. You know, they were not very clear there on what was written on those uh, toilet paper rolls they held up. I mean, but, yeah, it's interesting spelling for yeah, sure. Yeah, creative, creative yeah, spelling. Yeah. Um, you know, they accused us of being paid <laughs> to go on away trips, which, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, all of us and our bank accounts can speak to the fact that, you know, we pay for this. We do this out of love. You know, and then they accused our entire fan base of, of being something that was the byproduct of a boardroom, the byproduct of focus groups. And that's just laughable. As a person who has helped construct the 3252, as I'm pretty sure you were probably the second member of the 3252, because you and Julio were the first two when this club founded to be there with the owners. Um, what do those statements mean to you from the San Jose Ultras, and, and, and what is your thoughts to it? Uh, it's, it's not only not only San Jose, but the, the statements that Carson keeps on saying. It just uh, proves that what we're doing is doing, we're doing it right. You know, and and I think San Jose Ultras got that stuff from from Carson because we went to New York, right? And it was about 300-something from us. Yeah. So uh, Carson started advertising, you know, if they fly to New York with Alaska, they'll give them a discount, plus the uh, club will give them a game ticket for free. So I guess those guys thought we were just like Carson, but we're not like Carson, man. You oh, know, they get that deal? Wow. Yeah, so, so Carson is trying really hard to uh, imitate you know, what we're doing, thinking that we're getting paid, but we're not getting paid. I mean, if we would be getting paid, this would not happen. You know, th this happens when everything's legit. When we stick around the passion of the ball, you know, th that's what unites us as one big family. It's the soccer ball. You know, we all know that, you know, we spend money, you know. Plus, we love to drink, you know. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like ain't nobody giving us free beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're doing it right. I mean, at the end of the day, Good or bad, as long as they keep on talking, uh, we're doing something right. Yeah, and, and I'd say these two clubs that you're talking about are probably trying to take the ideas or replicate some of the things that the 3252 are doing so that their their supporters groups grow, right? So that to me, it's funny that they say these things, but I think some of the changes that you know these two teams are going to start implementing in their stadiums are looking at what the 3252 have created. Absolutely. Right. You know, and then their other TIFO, their other statement is, you know, the one that seems to keep coming around that we're just, uh, you know, what is it, sheep and goats clothing or whatever, yeah. you know, that that we are born of the ashes of Chivas 2.0 or that whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to be honest, I mean, you know, Chivas USA had amazing support. Um, you know, whatever happened with that team happened with that team. But the fact that the energy and passion from that support is carried on in some way in this club is something that I'm proud of. Um, and if they want to wave that in our face, great. You know, look at your own coach, guys. you got Chivas connections, too. Uh, you know, the Chivas Academy got soaked up by Carson. Yeah. I mean, there's Chivas impact all over California. Yeah. And if you want to point that at us, I mean, you're obviously ignoring your own connections there. So, you know, just something to 
yeah, I just thought was silly when when your coach is Almeida, you know. I mean, <laughs> come funny. on, yeah, that's so funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's you're clowning yourself, you yeah. know. That's pretty <laughs> silly. So you know, the game obviously wrapped up on an amazing high note. We literally shook their stadium. We shook tables on the other side of the stadium. Yeah. You heard releases from the press box across the stadium. We saw the lights in the stands shaking. We heard reports from people in the airport terminal across the tarmac saying they could hear the 3252. I mean, that is insane. The fact this that we were crazy. louder than jet engines is, <laughs> I mean, I'm still just flabbergasted it was, by it. It was an epic experience. Like, to me, my whole life, I wanted to have this kind of experience at a stadium, which obviously it's now a season and the beginning of the season I've experienced as a you know original and supporter. But... I always wanted to go to another stadium and take over with our own fans. And to me, that was like a life dream come true because we got to march escorted by security. We got to sing all the way across the parking lot along the stadium, get searched apprehensively by the security. You know, we were looked at like almost they were like looking the for the mic. Yeah, they were looking for <laughs> mics. You know, we were the villains of the day. And not only did we bring the atmosphere, but the team brought the game. Right. To us, you know, they brought that victory for us, and it was it was just to me, it, like you said, it gives me chills just thinking about it, talking about it. It's like these memories are going to be in my head, you know, for the rest of my life. This first experience was a five zero, and we also won like ten zero in the stands. On the stands, yeah. on the stands, we're still undefeated. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. Well, we definitely want to talk a little bit about heading back, and then uh, we are going to bring Ray back for episode twelve and talk a little bit about his history. Uh, his help in forming the 3252, his help in forming uh, the Supporters Council as well, too, uh, about some of his experiences. So we're going to get a little bit more with Ray uh, in the next week or so. That content will be out. But, you know, for the three of us, we got to share the bus ride home together and just talk football and, and our passion and our history. And I have to say, you know, for Christian and myself to be able to sit down with the likes of you and Julio and, uh, you know, it's something that I'm I'm blessed and have the pleasure of being yeah. able to do on a regular basis but to see somebody experience that for the first time and you know I'm really excited about this next episode because I think if people knew a little bit more about what people like yourself bring to this club they would just be astounded by the level of experience uh, and amazed really at all these things that you guys have done to help bring the 3252 to where it is in conjunction with so many great leaders in this club but if you had uh, you know some thoughts about the San Jose game as uh as a whole, what would what would you be your final thoughts on on that game? Uh, we're just gonna get better. Uh, that's that's the way I feel. The, the way I saw the team playing, we're just gonna get better. You know, that's that's it. We're just gonna get better. Yeah, there's gonna be more cohesion. We, we wins not even starting right now. Like, just imagine sometimes blessing coming off the bench when the other team is tired. Orta still is not fit. We have Fito and Christian Ramirez. Yep. Like the team is pretty deep, so we're gonna be able to absorb this long season and I agree with you they're practicing together earlier this year in their own facility so I think that chemistry is already growing and then you can feel a difference from last year to this to this year even though last year they were a good team this year I feel like they're leveled above that yeah the defense it's it's more solid you you, you see the system Bob has implemented now the the guys are catching it even more yeah you know to to the to the point where you see Zimmerman you know just stepping up and actually being the leader on the back line, you know, yeah. it's, uh, that, that's amazing. You know, even though the guy was good, but he, he wasn't showing that confidence last year. Right. And at one point he was like, eh, I might leave or not, but 
now he's solid. He's in, man. He's in, and I think he's going to be good with us. Yeah. How much of that do you accredit to his partnership with Segura as opposed to his partnership with the other center back options last year, as opposed to him just developing personally? I think it, it comes hand to hand. I, I think he was, he was, he really wanted to stay. I mean, otherwise he would have left. But, you know, the way the team is built, it's about the people. And I think these guys that came in, you know, they really they really got together very well. And mm-hmm. he was like, you know what, let's make it happen. Because they are very experienced defenders. Well, so who does – I think about this. You, you think he's so mature because he's so calm. Mm-hmm. He's only 21, but he came – Crazy. He, he came fit from Colombia, right? He was already ready to go because I think he saw this as an opportunity to, to be seen and hopefully stay permanently just like Atuesta, right? right. He was here on a loan and we signed him. Um, and I think Atuesta being here also helped him – uh, understand how the city works similar culture similar like probably hobbies or you know taste and things so i think he came ready to play ready with an open mind for the system and then culturally someone that can help him just adjust to la life i think that's helped tremendously because zimmerman is allowed now to be a little bit more aggressive and he's going to stay back and be like his last name the seguro or seguro yeah. on the back line to to finish off or sweep anything up that Zimmerman may miss. The team is happy. If you see every player, they're happy, and they're, they're transmitting that on the pitch and to the fans. You know, that's why it's all electrifying just to watch them play. You know, even when you watch them on TV, you see the, the way they open up the spaces, the confidence that they have. Yeah. You know, it's, we didn't really have that last year. You know, yeah. even even the times where we were down last year, we kind of struggled, and the 32-52 give them that extra push. But now you see the team actually playing as one big unit you know like even the times that we've been you know struggling on the game you know that they managed to come through it's really been an amazing thing to see how well and I think a credit to the front office for keeping the team together and just making small necessary additions throughout the offseason and not trying to blow up the whole defense and do something new and obviously guys like Zim deciding to come back were were a huge factor in being able to you know keep the squad together so to speak so um, like i was going to say before we go um and i know we're going to have another episode with ray i want to ask you for a prediction against dc united before we conclude the oh, dc united away what we, we score usually more than one so i'm thinking maybe two to one uh LAFC. okay i think that's a solid prediction i mean it's going to be a very defensive oriented game i mean if we score two goals against them that'll double what they've given up all season. You know, they've only given up one goal all season there. Especially central defense is going to be pretty amazing. Ours has been pretty amazing too. I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of attacking down the flanks, probably particularly on the right side. We'll see how that plays out this weekend. It's going to be a very defensive-oriented match with two incredibly high-powered offenses when you got, you know, uh, Vela and Wayne Rooney, mm-hmm. um, two people who are certainly not making retirement tours through MLS. I mean, these guys are out there playing their tails off. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty amazing to see. Yeah, like we mentioned, we're really excited uh, yeah. to continue the conversation with Ray here coming up. I'm on our next episode. He's got a lot of really cool stories to tell whether mm-hmm. it's constructing our opening day TIFO and well, you know, all the various things that he has been involved with behind the scenes with LAFC and the 3252 from the Borussia Dortmund trip and and so many other things here. Um, but I just kind of want to ask, kind of here in closing, we saw the 3252 put up an amazing W in the stands. As a person who has helped birth and, and nurture the 3252, 
Where do you see it going from here? What is What are some of the next big steps you'd like to see the 3252 take this year? We are taking it to the next level. And if I was to tell you, then it's not going to be a surprise, man. Okay. You know, we want we, we want those guys to, to keep on coming, keep on participating. You know, when we set up uh, uh, information about where we where the TIF was happening, show up. It's, it's such a pleasure when you're out there 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, painting banners, doing the TIFO, and seeing it go up, it's just it's just an adrenaline rush. It's like having an orgasm when you see that banner going up. <laughs> I've had the pleasure of attending some late-night flag painting parties at, at Ray's house. It's, it's a pretty magical thing uh, with camaraderie, and, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to see his magical, magical collection of supporter scarves, I mean... This would make uh, scarf collectors like myself and Jr. from Defenders just weep sweet tears of joy when you look at the beauty assembled in this man's walls. It's it's really, it's really a wonderful thing. That's awesome. Stay tuned for the next episode, as we said, but make sure to stay tuned to Fox 11 here in Los Angeles or Big Fox, as they say. The match is at noon, and the lead-in match is crazy to me that the lead-in match to the LAFC DC United match is going to be Dortmund against Bayern Munich before that. So it's going to be a morning full of football. And, you know, wake up in the morning, get your breakfast, get your coffee, and then wait until noon for lunchtime to watch that LAFC win 2-1 to one per Ray. Yeah, we're going to be at uh, the fields. We're going to be watching it. We're going to be uh, doing uh, painting flags. So if you have a spot to watch it, head over there and help us paint some flags. Because when Cincinnati comes home, they're going to have a surprise. Oh, awesome. You know, real, real quick, I just wanted to mention this is a big weekend for LAFC in the community as well, too. If you are at the fields on Saturday or at any of the supporters' events, there's going to be more information about the march for congenitive heart disease uh, and our young capo, Ezra. I believe that march is going down Sunday. Highly encourage people to look at social media and participate in that event or contribute to that charity if at all possible. Um, But we want to bump that information up as best we can. Um, Make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LAFCS2S. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you, Ray, for being here. This is John and Christian signing off. Hey, Rosa. Take us home, Steve. Showed up, two showed up. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay fly in that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that.